This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for the Babysitter's Club Mystery. Jack. Yes. Do you remember the early 2000s MTV game show, Quiet Library, I think it was called? No. Or maybe it was... Great. 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 So it's, it kind of seemed like you had something prepped that you wanted to talk to me about, but the prep was a reminder to Silent yourself library. to Google something Jack. on air. Do you... Jack. Yes. Do you remember... The early 2000s, mid-2000s, MTV game no, show. I wasn't watching Silent MTV Library. in the mid-2000s. Here's the premise. Okay. It's based on a Japanese game show. A number of contestants, usually including at least one celebrity contestant, okay. piles into a silent, quiet, quiet library, Okay, sitting at a table across from one another. And they are given a series of prompts and challenges designed to make one another break up in laughter and crumble apart and bust up and start laughing in the silent library. And if they start laughing, they get kicked out of by the a scary librarian. librarian. Okay. Yes. That is the situation I find myself in. <laughs> Cause I am, we started early. It's yeah. 5 PM on a Thursday. Yeah. And I am in a co-working space filled with handsome, young, creative professionals hard at work and i'm back here in a not so soundproof sound booth yeah and i'm certain that everyone out in the co-working space which is essentially just a big open room can hear every word i'm saying so i think the game the game isn't to make you laugh because if you're laughing they'll think you're cool the game is to make you say some shit if i'm laughing they'll think i'm like nailing some deal yeah, and that's what they, they they're going to be like, oh, it's just another creative professional, it's another thinkfluencer. Right. Just doing his job in there. But if Any you're one saying of them weird could go shit, look at the calendar and see that there is a podcast taping for a show called The Babysitter's Club Club happening in this phone booth. Okay. But I don't think any of them they're as I said they're all handsome young creep pros, so I don't think any of them has the time to do that. Okay, here's what we'll do. Let's just test this out a little bit and we'll say our Three favorite babysitters in ascending order, and we'll get louder with each one. I don't one. think that's really going to freak anyone's beans, though, if I just say, say three girls' names. Okay, I'll start. Okay. Christy, Mallory, Claudia! In ascending order? Yeah. You like Mallory more than Christy? Right now. And who was the third one? Claudia! Wow. What okay. happened to you, man? Now <laughs> you go. I do it how I did it. Claudia. No, let, do it at the same volume. I am doing it at the same volume. No, the first one is at a I'm normal volume. I'm doing it. Claudia. So Claudia. <laughs> Dawn. <laughs> Christy. No, you're cheating. I did it. I yelled it. I yelled it. No, you didn't. I thought you said it wasn't going to freak anyone's bean. I can't believe that's your lineup. Yeah, it's. I've. that's where I'm at right now. Mal? Yeah, I love Mal. Mal's my... <sighs> Wow. Mal really grew on me. What happened to you, man? <laughs> Mal had a pretty baller moment this week, and I hate to I hate to get into segments 
this soon. And actually, what I'm going to need oh. is for you to introduce the segment because I don't have oh. the poem written down. God, that's brutal. We haven't even introduced the show. Can we introduce no, the show at least? No, no. Okay. Or else we're going to lose the thread. Okay, fine. I need you to read the poem for Strike Against the Patriarchy. I find this very upsetting. I know. And it sucks that you have to be the, like, arbiter of this segment now. No, this is the worst. Because I want to introduce the show. but you have show. to do it. You have to do it. Because this is just, like, you brought her up. This is your fault. Okay, fine. This is I, could, I brought up one of the babies. Okay, fine. This is under protest. Hand me another brick, my dearest friend. To build a mausoleum all around. This shriveled thing that's reached its natural end. And lower it at last into the ground. So strike the match and join me as we sing a glad goodbye to all of history's men. Let's warm our hands upon this funeral pyre. And think on all the joys that life will bring. And all the life we'll share together when... We've put the patriarchy to the fire. It's our strike against the patriarchy. patriarchy. It's a segment for a podcast, and we are not going to tell you what podcast it is or what podcast you're listening to or who we are, because that's how Tanner wants to do it. And and this is how Jack has decided to do it this week, because he introduced. Anyway, this is in the chapter two. Yeah. The last two members to show up for our meeting that day were Jesse Ramsey and Mallory Pike, who were best friends. Here's what they were wearing. Jesse had on a black ballet leotard top and jeans with bulky red knitted leg warmers slouched around her ankles. Mal was wearing jeans, a purple sweater, and a big yellow button that said, I read banned books. Hell yeah. Yeah, right? Hell yeah. That's cool as hell. And that that's the kind of stuff that makes me see where you're coming from. Yeah. On your pro-Mal stance. How can you not like that? That's cool as hell. Yeah. It also seems a little like she's dressed like Wario. <laughs> yeah, it does. Which I like, too. Well, and in Stony Brook, that's a pretty revolutionary thing to do. Like, here, it would just be, like, virtue signaling. Yeah, okay, we get I- it. In Austin or in where you are in Brooklyn. I bet you have one of those signs in your front yard, too, yeah. that says, like, in this house, we yeah. read banned books yeah. and don't eat shellfish and... But we do. Yeah. And you're not getting any points. But in Stony Brook, where like mobs of armed anti book crusaders are often found wandering around the streets past curfew, right. that's a pretty dangerous statement that Mal is making. And addresses Wario. And addresses Wario, hated. The most like hated Mario character of all time. Yeah. Wow. Bold. The sworn enemy of the most beloved video game hero. The inverse, the perverted <laughs> abomination of the most <laughs> beloved video game character of all time. Bold, Mal. Should we start calling her Wow? That's cool. <laughs> oh, Wallerie. That actually brings up another segment I have. No, fuck you. <laughs> Which is, what's your um, Wah, <laughs> your evil Wah name? Um, it's a name generator. Mine is Whack. Whack. Wow, Luigi. I'm trying to figure out what the rules are because Waluigi isn't Waluigi. It's Waluigi. I think that. So would you be Wajack or would you be Whack? I don't know the answer. 
And I, would I be Wanner or would I be Watanner? I think I'd be Watanner. Watanner sounds cool. Yeah. Okay. Can we introduce the show now? Yes. Okay. Hi, hi. Hi. And oh, sorry. Oh, Jesus Stop. Go God. Back. What? Start again. Hi, hi. And why, why? And welcome to the Babysitters Club. 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 Mystery. Club. Club. And then we do the two clubs, and then mystery, and then. And but club? we don't. We blow up past it now because okay. we're, we've run out of the times that we're allowed to dwell on it. I am Wa Jack. My name is Wa Tanner. And this is a podcast where- This is an evil episode. It's an evil episode. It's an upside down evil episode. We should have set it up front. Yeah. This is an upside down evil episode and you're in a mirror episode and everything in this episode is evil and twisted and warped from how it would be if it were a normal good episode. And you're the Wab, the Wabi Nation. <laughs> yeah. The Wabi Nation. Mm-hmm. The Waddle Babies. That's good. Yeah. Waddle Babies? Yeah. So you're saying they're real? They're actually called the model babies? No, it's like waddle instead of riddle. Okay. Yeah. I would say waddle riddle babies. Uh, okay. Well, I think great. maybe you've just landed on the distinction between wa name and wa. Wa end of name. End of name? Yeah. Is if it sounds like it makes sense. Well, put it to a vote. Waddle babies. You let us know whether you prefer or to be waddle babies or warriddle babies. Um, what we do is we talk about the Babysitter's Club Mysteries. And this week, we're talking about a novel that is called Babysitter's Club Mystery number 19, Christie and the Missing Fortune. It's by Ellen Miles. It's a good one. Good one. Very yeah. good. I liked it. I loved it. What we like to do is first describe the novel mm. and then review good. the novel. Uh, we describe it twice. I guess it's my turn to describe it, which is troubling because I have not prepared anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, let's see here. Let's see if I can just kind of throw something together at the last. Yeah, just write something really quickly. I'm just going to throw something together. Okay, I've got it. Yes. Uh, I've written it down and I uh, wrote this in the few seconds between me panicking that I hadn't written anything and now. Yep. Um, So are you ready? Yes. We should explain uh, Riddle Babies, while Riddle Babies, that Jack um, thought he was headed to a fun uh, pool trip with his young son. Yeah. And then I brought reality crashing down on top of him when I reminded him that that's not how time zones work. I mistook how time works. And the mistake that I made, even though we are only an hour apart, was so catastrophic that we're recording two hours earlier than I thought we were going to. Right, yeah. I had my boy in his swimsuit, and we were about to walk out the door when Tanner texted him and was like, I'm waiting in this uh, co-working space. space. A bunch of creative professionals are really creeping me out. <laughs> <laughs> So you didn't have a lot of, that's all to say you didn't have a lot of time to prepare, but I'm glad to hear that you've managed to pull yeah. together, you've managed to do some beautiful writing. Quick writing, and I am a good writer, and I am a professional writer, and uh, so even if there are some rough edges on this uh, paragraph that I've just written in the last 10 seconds, I hope you will cut me a little bit of slack at given how little time I had to pull it together. Mm. And now I'd like to begin describing this novel. Please. Please. 
Historian and codebreaker Christy Thomas has been searching her whole life for a rumored treasure dating back to the creation of Stony Brook. Joining an expedition led by fellow treasure hunter Claudia Kishi, Thomas finds an ice-locked colonial ship in the Arctic Circle that contains a clue linking the treasure to the founding of Stony Brook. When Kishi betrays her, Thomas has to race to get the document ahead of her so-called colleague, Babysitter's Club Mystery number 19, Christy, and The Missing Fortune. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. And it sounded, I would say, 40%. Accurate. You know what's crazy? To the text of the book. That is exactly what uh, this book got on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 40%. 40%. So (laughs) that fits, I think. Uh, In my mind, Mm. only films are, not only, I suspect, but like oftentimes all you see on Rotten Tomatoes is film reviews. Yeah, and 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 just some of the best of the best books. Okay, make it on. Um, what if you describe the book? Okay, and you want me to do that now? Yeah, and so what I'm going to do is, I'm going to reach into a pocket of time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to reach both hands in. Okay, and it, I might disappear into the inky blackness, and my both my eyes might become wide and fully black. Okay, after you come out, or while you're in there? While I'm in there, and then when I come back out. Okay. Um, and then. I'm and gonna... do you want me to pull you back out, or would you rather? Be no, in don't there? touch me. And okay. and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to open my mouth, and it might open a lot wider than mouths are supposed to go. I've seen your mouth open pretty wide. Yeah, well, it's Even wider. wider than that. Even um, and then I'm going to sing the music of time. Okay. And uh, what I mean by that is uh, put 60 seconds on this very mysterious and very dangerous clock that I happen to have handy. Um, and during those 60 seconds, I would like for you to describe everything that happens in this novel. Okay. Could you do that? And when, is, when, when are you embarking? Um, I'm um, I'm heading in now. Jack, Jack, I can't hear you. Breaking up. Okay, I can, I can barely make you out. Okay, here's what happened this week. Christy uh, discovers that. There is, I can't remember exactly how she got into it, but she discovered this woman called Christina Thomas, who used to live in the olden times, who who disappeared mysteriously. Uh, and she's like, oh, wow, her name is almost like mine. Isn't that fucked up? Uh, and then she discovers that Christina Thomas disappeared with a large amount of gold. Uh, so she does like kind of a curse of uh, Oak Island kind of thing and goes in search of Christina Thomas's gold. Um, and discovers that uh, Christina Thomas still has some living relatives and gave up this estate called something. Now I can't remember what. Um, Squire Lot. Um, 
And she also discovers that uh, Cookie Mason is uh, related to the girl. The B-plot is that Jesse Ramsey is helping clean up this arboretum. And the two are the same. Squire Lot and the Arboretum. And time. Yep, that's it. Uh, There's an Arboretum in the mystery books. Uh, like crazy edifices just like grow the grow out of nowhere yeah out yeah. of nowhere and this week uh, an, a massive arboretum and not even nowhere they grow out of nowhere but they grow out of no when either. yeah this totally. is like an arboretum from 1860 yeah and it's just suddenly there and here it is and all of the girls have time to just drop everything and like try to save the arboretum which is in danger of being taken over by mean developers yeah um and meanwhile christy found this mysterious story about this girl who went missing and lost her fortune and she suspects here's christy's plot line is she thinks oh christina thomas i might be related to her right and she went missing with millions of dollars in gold and if i can discover where she buried the gold i christy thomas would be a millionaire right because my name is christy thomas right and here's the thing, though. Right. You already are. Yeah, that's what I thought. Watson's Watson literally a millionaire. Brewer is a millionaire. Yeah. And two, no, you wouldn't. No, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Like, maybe your dad would? Yeah, maybe. Or, like, some it, other relative? It would get tied up in some r- weird legal shit. Right. Uh, turns out, guess who's the millionaire? It's Cokie Mason. Cokie Mason. And guess who might be related to Cokie Mason? Christina Thomas. Christy Thomas. Christy Thomas. Yeah. How about that? How about that? Yeah. And you know what Cokie Mason is? Tanner. She's the Wa Christy. Okay. Yeah. Isn't she? So then would Wa Cokie be, be Christy? Good? Yes. Huh. Yeah. That's something the Mario universe has never quite explored. Is what happens when there's an evil character? Like, is Wa Bowser good? I would love to see that. Explored. I would love to see Wa yeah. Bowser. That would be amazing. Yeah, like would Wa Allen Gray be cool? Yeah. Wa Wallen Gray. I think it'd be Wallen. Yeah. Um, that's very interesting and worth exploring. So Koki is the direct descendant of this person. Christy finds this like wise old woman who is the descendant and Mildred. It, it, Mildred has been trying to solve the mystery of where the fortune went. It was hidden in a very interesting way. Um, I guess what we should do now is our guess. Okay. Uh, where at Liz? Liz. Sorry, she's like patiently waiting in this room full of creep pros. Oh, God. So Liz, could you come in here? So you didn't just walk into this room f- full of creative professionals. You walked in with a small entourage. They were here. They were waiting for me. With like ukuleles and shit. Karis is here. Liz is here. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I'm not even sure we're going to need you today, Karis. And she was like, that's okay. I come anyway. <laughs> that's really nice. Yeah. Okay, Liz. Um... Take it away. Take it away. You're so dutiful when the burns are so light, but so thankful for smiles from miles so bright. Jack and Tanner guessing the mystery. Work it out five chapters in. Jack and Tanner guessing.
Okay, and that's the song that Baby B. Liz wrote for us to introduce the very short segment that's shorter than the song. But the one of us had the foresight of cutting together a short version. A short version, song, yeah, and that's good. Which, since you heard the long version of the song yeah. a few weeks ago. This is the short version. Since then, you've been hearing the short version. Um, and it's a segment where after chapter five of these novels, both of us on the honor system write down separately our guess as to what the solution to the mystery is going to be, and whoever gets the most correct guesses will win some kind of prize that we haven't determined yet. Yes, $100,000. Yeah, it's the it's the in, missing uh, fortune. Bear bonds. Okay. Is that what they're called? In Die Hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page. Non-negotiable bear bonds, and, uh, and then Bruce Willis is like, are you just thieves, Hans? Is that what this is all about? Right. And he's like, I'll be on the beach collecting 10%. By the time they figure out what went wrong, we'll be sitting on a beach earning 20%. Yeah. I would love that. I would love to be on the beach collecting 10%. Uh, why don't you tell me what you guessed after chapter okay. five, the answer to the mystery was going to be? I don't think you're going to like my guess. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why. Why? Because I am like a beautiful... Randy Moss, okay, deep in the ninety-yard line. Mm-hmm. That's not a thing. Yeah, <laughs> ten-yard line in the red zone. I'm in the red zone, mm-hmm. and I'm looking for that pass from Ellen Miles, Randall Cunningham. Randall Cunningham. Okay, so this is this is '90s Minnesota Vikings, and he's he's at like the forty-yard line. It's going to be a long pass. Okay, he's got to pass it like yeah, fifty yards. Yeah. Okay. Can uh NFL quarterback throw that far? Yeah, probably. Okay. Coverage is tight. I'm mm-hmm. triple covered by yeah. linemen. You're right? Randy. No, no, probably by cornerbacks. If you're triple covered by linemen, they're like 20 yards behind you at this point if you're Randy Moss. So maybe cornerbacks? I'm waiting. I'm waiting, though. That's the oh, problem. Okay. So is I'm got... deep in the red zone, and I'm yeah. waiting for this ball. I'm waiting for this okay. pass. Randall's you know? been running around like crazy. I've been running around. I've been cutting across the field, yeah. and I'm looking for that pass, and there's... Randall Cunningham back at the 40-yard line. Uh-huh. Ellen Miles. Can we have Tecmo Super Bowl music behind this description? Yep. Okay, good. And I'm, and then I see it, and the mm-hmm. ball is, is released. Yeah. And then, so, like, is a, it a tight spiral? A, a second, a second before Alan Miles slash Randy Cunningham is sacked uh-huh. by, like, six other linemen. Yeah. On her back foot. Yeah. The ball is out. Yeah. And it's sailing through. Yeah, and these linemen who are triple covering me are looking for it, and they're losing it. They can't see it in the lights of the Metrodome. Mm-hmm. And I see it though. I've got my eye on it. And these guys are looking for it, looking for it. And they're not paying attention to me. And I, I, I see it coming, and I run. It's a hail mary, and I run just out of the reach of these dudes. And right here in the pocket of my arms, got it, got it. Wow. And okay. I just pivot, mm-hmm. and I run. Mm-hmm. Seven and yards. Time running out here in the first half. All kinds of time. Going to throw it deep for Moss. Pulls it in at the 10-yard line. Flips it over his head. This is a touchdown. Oh. Spike it in the end zone. Touchdown. Okay. Because let me tell you my guess, Jack. Okay. End of chapter five. Mm-hmm. Oofta. This is a tough one. Hmm. Christie's relative isn't Christie's relative. 
She is, however, the original owner of the Arboretum, and Christy will uncover that in her research and save the Arboretum. Wow. Okay. 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 You did pretty good, Randall. But guess what? Guess what? what? Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. There's five seconds left on the clock. Okay. And guess who you're playing? The Green Bay Packers and Brett Favre. Okay. And, and that's he, you or that's Ellen again? That's Ellen. Okay. <laughs> again. I'm trying to think of a Packers receiver from the 90s. Klein Saucer. No, he was a Viking. <laughs> you can only think of Vikings. Sterling Chris Carter. Sh- Chris Carter did not play for the Packers. He played for the Vikings. Well, can you only name? Yeah, I'm not a football fan. I watched the 1998 Vikings, and that's it. So that's my only frame of reference. What about Donald Driver? Did he? Let's say. Well, I said Sterling Sharp. Yeah. Okay. This is good. Highly relatable. Yeah, this is highly relatable. Um, and and it. I'm glad that we're like making sure to get, do to be as accurate as possible about <laughs> the football player names. <laughs> it's Sterling Sharp. Sterling Sharp is not on that team, man. Well, it's a 94 team. Anyway, guess what? Al Miles winds up, fucking throws the ball, and it's 10 yards. And it's to me, but I've got such amazing moves that I do a spin move, and then I do a stiff arm, and then I'm off to the races. He, it's forty this yards. This is from the this is from the from their own t- my own ten my yard own line. ten yard line. Yeah, he could go. Wait, are you a running back? I'm a receiver. It was a short okay, pass. Okay, so a very short pass. Yeah, kind of a shovel pass. Ran ninety yards. Yeah, to the end zone. Spiked the ball. Listen Wouldn't it to be this. Better if you were running back. Well, okay. Who's the Packers running okay, back? Okay, so then ninety eight be Michael Blair. No, I don't want to be Michael Blair. Raymond Harris. Oh, God. Why did I choose the Packers? William they... Henderson. Derek Holmes. Be Derek Holmes. He's good. Fine. Ugh. They run the, the shovel pass, which we very seldom see be successful right there for 11 yards. But the youngster, Derek Holmes, was the man that did the bulk of the work on the ground. What a find he is. They've hooked up again, and we're tied at seven. Jimbo, seven for seven. No one more experienced throwing into that win. Anyway, I went all, all the way into the end zone. Spike the ball. Game over. Win Game by over. one point. Okay. Here's what I wrote down. The fortune, a deed, question mark, is buried in the formal gardens by the gazebo and will be used to save the arboretum. Christina Thomas will have been the owner of the gardens. We are both pretty close. Pretty fucking Which is good. a lot yeah. because Ellen is not, as we've discovered recently since we yeah. started this segment essentially, yeah. <laughs> Ellen is not very good at giving us a ton of hints. No, ever since we the, started By the it, end of she, chapter five. She's like moved the hints into like chapter seven because yeah. she doesn't like this shit. But we're, so, we got it. We both we got both it. We both got it. Yeah. Very impressive. And it remains mine. Mine, I said Christy is not related to Christina. Yeah. But that remains to be discovered, because the thing is, they do look—they do look very exactly similar. alike. And Koki's great aunt uh, Mildred, in a kind of a burn on Koki, entrusts Christie with solving this mystery, and then oh, gives yes, her yes. the locket 
that belong to Christina. Belonging to Christina. So if not related, Christy is at the very least the spiritual heir of Christina. Um, well, should we review this book? Yes. Okay. And then we'll do the music. It's starting. Okay. So this is, yep. Yeah, this is where we write a review for Tim Cook. Um, title. Title. What's in a name? Okay. That which we call Babysitter's Club Mystery Number 19. 19, Christy and the Missing Fortune. Mm-hmm. By any other name would be as sweet. sweet. Okay. And that's the title. Great. It's kind of a rose motif, so maybe yeah. we can play off of that from now on. Okay. Maybe what's in the name is the title. Okay. And then we line break down to the actual body of the text. Great. So that which we call Babysitter's mm-hmm. Club Mystery Number 19, Christy and the Missing Fortune, by any other name, would be as sweet. Uh, much like the rose in Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, this book is sweet. That's gr- that's great. Um, and much like Rose from Titanic. Yep. Um, this she survives, right? She survives. Oh, I've got it. You would put this book on the last boat and let Leonardo drown. You would draw this book like one of your French girls. Okay, that works. Do we want to say draw, or do we just want to say like? How about this? How about this? This book is a visual feast like one of Jack's French girls. And when I say Jack, I don't mean you. I mean Jack, the character from the Is a feast for the senses. What about a feast for the senses? Naked and French. Okay, but that doesn't make any sense because okay. the book is not naked nor French. Yeah, that's true. Like one of Jack's French girls. French and I put girls. that in parentheses. Like one of And then put in Jack's. sub-parentheses. Uh-huh. Jack from Titanic, not Jack Shepard. Right. And not Jack Dorsey from Twitter. Do we need to say that? Do people think that's what we mean? I think it's important. And because I know you love triplets. Yeah, we got to do we got to do a third. Time. Here's the third one. Yeah. Um and much like Rose Tico from The Last Jedi. How do you spell that? T I C O. Mhm. The Last Jedi. Tanner saw the craftsmanship and art mm-hmm. in this narrative where Jack is a dullard who didn't appreciate it for what it is and it might be an insult. Do you think that they'll have context for the Our text message argument, argument that you and I had about The Last Jedi last week? Whether or not The Last Jedi is a meaningful piece of yeah. Star Wars art. Over text and didn't talk about to anybody other than each other? I don't know, but I think it's good. It's a good way to kind of wrap up that little triplet, don't you think? I like Rose Tico, but I think that I'm going to be a stickler for the fact that neither our listeners nor Tim Cook okay, nor okay, the okay. readers of this review will have the context of having read the text exchange between you and me from last week about Last Jedi that we didn't share with And anyone. much like Rose Tyler, okay. companion to David Tennant's Doctor Who. Okay is beloved by both Jack and Tanner, and they both do agree on the importance to the meta lore that this character contributes, unlike Rose Tico, who Tanner insists is a brilliant, beautiful character, and Jack, uh, known incel dullard. 
No, see, the, refuses I, to understand. But again, now you've made a mistake again because you're you're relying on people knowing the conversation. Oh, that okay, we yes, yes, yes. So I'm just going to say, much like Rose Tyler. In fact, you know what? We're not going to have us in it at all. Much like Rose Tyler, companion to David Tennant's Doctor Who, this book is timeless and would have been badly mishandled by Stephen Moffat. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And then the stuff about Rose Tico, too. And which I have not put in. Okay. Okay. So wrapping things up, I want to use... So it's called Christy and the Missing Fortune. And although... Okay, here's what I'm thinking. Although this book is about a missing fortune, it is in no way a misfortune. I love that. To have read it. Yes. In fact, the fortunate experience of reading this book must be akin to the feelings feelings experienced by Bib Fortuna yep. when first meeting Jabba the Hutt. Okay. Does that work? Or, mm-hmm. I, I see, because I think Bib Fortuna and Jabba the Hutt's relationship is probably pretty complex. Tense. Okay. Yeah, and complex, because he seems to be like a manservant to like a mafia boss. Right. Okay. So maybe what I would say is the feeling of Rose Tico upon first meeting Finn. Okay. Because remember how she was like obsessed with him because he's a hero of the Yeah, but then that doesn't take bring in New Republic. That doesn't bring in the word fortune the wordplay of fortune at all. Okay. Fortune, fortune, fortune. Should we skip the Star Wars stuff entirely? Maybe. Okay. Is what I'm thinking now. Okay. There is a character in Street Fighter called Rose, and do we want to bring her in? Although this book is about a missing fortune, it is in no way a misfortune to have read it. I would say that Ellen Miles and Anne M. Martin clearly rose to the occasion. Okay, that's pretty good. This time. But here's my contribution, and you can take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. I want to get Kiss from a Rose in there somehow. Okay. Um, Like the gray... um, not unlike the gray, I feel blessed, nay, fortunate. What about? I've been kissed by this rose. Um, and uh, and uh, while Riddle Babies, we should explain that a, a significant plot. We'll explain it at the end here. Yeah, a significant setting of this novel is a rose garden. Yeah, and should we put that in the review? Maybe. What about like they really sealed the deal on this one? Much like it was. No, that doesn't work. Much like... Uh, I think we're going to have to leave Kiss from a Rose. Okay, well, let's leave that off. So one more Rose thing. Okay, one more Rose thing. Um, Rose from Street Fighter. Rose, um... What's that song? I don't know. La Vie en Rose. Okay. La. So it's by Edith Piaf. You know it. Um, let's not do Edith Piaf. Um, let's go back to Rose Tycho. Oh, perfect. Yes. Whatever you may think of... of uh, Who's the name of the guy who directed uh, Last Jedi? Ryan Johnson. Whatever you may think of Ryan Johnson's interpretation of the classic Star Wars. Well, interpretation of the Skywalker saga. Because there's a lot of Star Wars. Fire, right? Of the Skywalker saga. And there is 
a real divergence of opinion on this one. See, that's gonna make me sound like an incel nerd, though. No, I know, yeah. Well, so I'm just gonna because you made your bed. <laughs> whatever you may think of Ryan Johnson's interpretation of the Skywalker saga, I think we can all agree that this book, this is, book, at the very least, better than the prequels. <laughs> the Star Wars prequels, because we haven't read Friends Free ever yet, so. Yeah, then the Star Wars prequels. Because that is something we did agree on. Uh, we're just going to not mention Rose Tycho. Oh, th this series of movies starring Rose Tycho. The character, okay. And then Rose Tycho, open parentheses, beloved by Tanner Green Ring, hated by known dork. No, misogynist we, Jack Shepard. No, because again, that relies on people understanding our text chain. So, in fact, what I'm going to say is because that feels like damning this book with faint praise to say that it is at the very least better than the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, well, you damned the, the Last Jedi with faint praise because that's the only good thing you had to say about it. So, I'm going to say I think we can all agree that the Last Jedi is at least better than the Star Wars prequels, and this book is better than The Last Jedi. Um, okay, that's fine. Um, no spoilers, but pay attention to the roses. Yep. Jack and Tanner, do we say sincerely? No. M-Dash, Jack and Tanner, or Jack Shepard. Wajack. And... Wajack and Wa-Tanner. Should we say Wajack? Yeah, because this okay. is the Upside Down episode. Wajack, Shepard, and... Wajack, Wa Shepard. Uh, really? Yep. And then Wa Tanner, Wa Green Ring. Wa Green Ring. P.S. We really loved this one. Um, let's throw a rose emoji in this. Okay, and that then now people will think we're um, democratic socialists. So. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, so ready? Title: What five stars? What's in a name? Rose emoji. That which we call Babysitter's Club Mystery Number 19. And then maybe okay. after Rose Emoji, open uh -huh. parentheses, point left, uh -huh. not affiliated with the DSA. Is that what that's the symbol of? They've co-opted the Rose Emoji, yeah. But also not not associated with the DSA. I think that's too complicated for people. Okay. What about this rose is just a rose? And not affiliated with any political party. That's great. And not affiliated with Okay. What's in a name? Question mark. Rose emoji. Parentheses. Hand pointing left. This rose is just a rose and not affiliated with any political party. That which we call Babysitter's Club Mystery Number 19, Christie and the Missing Fortune, by any other name, would be as sweet. Much like the rose in Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, this book is sweet. Much like Rose from Titanic, this book is a feast for the senses, like one of Jack's French girls. Jack from Titanic, not Jack Shepard, nor Jack Dorsey from Twitter. And much like Rose Tyler, companion to David Tennant's Doctor Who, this book is timeless and would have been badly mishandled by Stephen Moffat. Yep. Although this book is about a missing fortune, it is in no way a misfortune to have read it. I would say that Ellen Miles and Anne M. Martin clearly rose to the occasion this time. Yep. Whatever you think of Ryan Johnson's interpretation of the Skywalker saga featuring the character Rose Tico, I think we can all agree that The Last Jedi is at least better than the Star Wars prequels, and this book is better than The Last Jedi. No spoilers, but pay attention to the roses. Wajak, Wa Shepard, and Wa Tanner, Wa Green Ring. P.S. We really love we this really one. We really like this one. Yep. Good? Yep.
Great. Okay, I've submitted that for Tim Cook, and now let's take a break. Okay, perfect. Okay. You say goodbye. Goodbye. Mystery. Tanner, I would like to talk to you about this novel in relation to Anne's theory of time and time travel. There is a gentleman in this book who I am sure you noticed in the past version of Stony Brook. Ellen, what Ellen and Anne have done here is they have created two temporally separate but otherwise connected eras of Stony Brook. Okay. One with Christina Thomas yep. in the 1860s and one with Christy Thomas in the 1990s. Yep. Um, and their connection is what drives this book. And in many ways, it is the bridge through time that allows Christy to create the kinetic energy that is required uh, to make this book work. And Tanner, back in 1860s Stony Brook, Christina Thomas's arch nemesis, the person who is trying to prevent her from becoming who she is destined to be, becoming the person that Christy Thomas will eventually find and discover and actualize and reify in the modern era, is a man named Devon and his business partner by the name Simon. of Simon Clock. Yes. Oh, okay. Simon Clock, the mysterious clock. The master of time. The master of time, the mysterious Simon Clock. I think it's fascinating that Ellen has created this villain. She's in the business of making supervillains, right? Right. And so we've got this time master who is a villain in the 1860s, and his villainy is still rampant right. here in the modern era. He reaches through time, the right. clock master. And I was very interested to see a lot of the themes of temporality and timelessness and the connection that we can make through time. Um, you were singing my song, Jack Shepard. Okay. I love this. Mm-hmm. And I love Simon Time, Simon Clock. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of another character in Stony Brook, a modern... Ah, time traveler. Time traveler. Mm-hmm. A being outside of time and space, a being who's able to take time in his hands and crush it or kindle it. Or be crushed by it. To his will. Someone we haven't talked about in a little while. I have had the foresight, Jack, mm. this evening to prepare a poem. <laughs> okay, good, because I didn't. And I was reading up until literally the last second, but still somehow managed to prepare a poem. Uh-huh. But I guess like me reading up to the last second yeah. is not equivalent to you reading up to the negative two-hour mark. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm still beating you on that one. If I may. Please. And then help me with the pronunciation of a Greek word really quickly. Okay. It's K-A-T-H-O with a dash over it, L-O-U. Katolu. Katolu. Yeah. Okay. Okay, here's my poem. Jackie will not go gentle into that good night. No age, nor place, nor time, nor day shall contain his eternal light. Though timeless as the ancient, worrisome white because time with the boy no longer stays, 
non ce tempo, catolo chronos, noe tiempo, kinesite, good Jackie, thy last wave by, crying in fright, thy frail life might have been in a doorway, back we must go, into the dying of the light. Wow. That was gorgeous. And you just came up with all of that by yourself? Yeah. And well, and Dylan Thomas helped. Oh, wow. That's even more impressive, honestly. Because <laughs> he's been long dead. <laughs> yeah. That was beautiful. A beautiful poem. We introduce our segments with Gothic Poems in the Mystery Club. Get with the program, people, if you didn't already know that. And Jackie is a denizen of Stony Brook, but uh, whenever he has... And a has... denizen of timelessness denizen of timelessness which is what i was about to say whenever he slips and falls which is often they call him the walking disaster non che tempo catolo chronos noe tiempo kinesite uh that's four languages there's no time can you identify the four languages non che tempo is would be italian yep um catolo chronos is greek and then kinesite would be german that means and there's no time one. What was no a tiempo. Tiempo. Uh, Spanish. Yep. And it means no no time. Timelessness. Anyway, as I was saying, whenever Jackie trips and falls, what is actually happening is that he is tripping and falling through time into another lifetime, which he lives out in another time and place in its entirety until he blips back into reality and completes the accident that he begun in our time. To us, it seems like just a moment has passed, but to Jackie. We have to go back, eh? It is a lifetime. We have to go back! Tanner, there's some Jackie stuff. So they take Jackie Radowski to the Arboretum. Mm-hmm. And so the B-plot is I think that Cokie Mason is just fucking things up. Yes, Cokie Mason is inadvertently meddling. Yeah, so what they're trying to do is prepare the Arboretum to be looked at by a potential buyer, which will save it and make it nice. And instead, what they do is they attract Cokie Mason and bring Jackie Radowski, and between the two of them, just totally fucking destroy the place, really upsetting the lovely uh, garden lady, Mrs. Goldsmith, in the process. Um, But so there's a passage when Jackie is doing all that fucking of things up. And may I read it? You may read it, yeah. Mal stayed busy chasing after Jackie, who was involved in one mess after another. First, he danced around in an empty fountain, pretending to be one of the cherub statues, until he almost knocked one of them over. That was when he found the empty potato chip bags that Mal was sure must have been thrown there on purpose. Next, Jackie pulled out about 20 plant markers because they were rusty. Mal and Jesse had to put each one back, relying on Jesse's memory. While they were doing that, they found more evidence that pointed to sabotage, footprints, knocked over flower pots, and a newly broken trellis. Finally, at the end of the day, Jackie ran to Mal, who was trying to fix the trellis. My tooth! Jackie cried. Did it finally come out? Mal asked. Great! Not great, said Jackie. I can't find it anywhere, and I have to have it. Otherwise, the tooth fairy won't leave me anything. And and this is a blip. This is when he blips out. And of, this is blip. And then yeah. I'm going to offer some disclaimers on this. Okay. Which is that if you're not a fan of basketball and you didn't watch the 2019 
NBA championship. Which I am not and did not. A, a little loss on you, but blip. Game four. It's the Trailblazers versus the Golden State Warriors. Wrong. Game four. The Toronto Raptors lead the Golden State Warriors three games to It's the fourth quarter and the Toronto Raptors are up by 12. Nine minutes left. Congo native Serge Ibaka drives in deep in the pocket. Ibaka inside the paint. Ibaka's really come on the last several games. And collides with veteran Sean Livingston of the Golden State Warriors. And there's Jackie, confused, lost, deep in the pocket. Doesn't know where he is. Has found himself in the body of Fred Van Vliet. Things have changed for Fred Van Vliet. Backup point guard for the Toronto Raptors. He looks up, he sees Serge Ibaka stuffing Sean Livingston. And all he can think is, oh good. But then Sean Livingston's hand comes flying down. Before he knows what's happening, an elbow connects with Jackie's face. And Van Vliet is on the floor bleeding from his right eye, it looks like. And he's down. Did he die? He didn't die, but he did get seven stitches and below his eye, and he did lose two teeth. There you see that left elbow right smack into the face of Van Vliet. He has played so well. He's so tough. He's been one of the great stories throughout these playoffs. Undrafted out of college. Mike, they're going to shake it up. I'm sorry for cutting you off. Blip. Blip. He's back in Stony Brook. Oh, the tooth? As Mel told me later, Jackie was the one who finally found it. It had fallen into his pocket. <laughs> and they were in the pocket. The like. Oh, that's beautiful. Right. They were yeah. in the pocket in the, the basketball court. That's great, but it's sad that that guy died on the court. He didn't die. He did get seven stitches under his eye, and he did lose two teeth. Yeah, um, and he's a handsome man, and he was he was brutalized by this Golden State Warriors player. Well, that's Jackie. Tense game. Tense. That sounds game tense. Four. And uh, do you and remember who won? Did the Raptors? The win? Raptors won, and the the Raptors would go on to win the championship. Oh, that's unlikely because the Golden State Warriors, I thought, were like unbeatable. They are unbeatable, except they had two injuries. Jackie Radowski. First Canadian championship ever, even though the NBA was founded in Toronto. Wow. And then Nick Nurse, the head coach of the Toronto Raptors today, said, we're not interested in a White House visit. What we would love is a parliament visit to- In England? No, in Canada. Oh, okay. And to be greeted by Justin Trudeau. <laughs> okay. I, w- I thought he was like aff- reaffirming the Commonwealth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did Justin Trudeau not think to invite the Raptors to Parliament after they won the championship? No, he did. He did. Okay. But then everyone, but you know who didn't invite the Raptors? Uh, no. The White House. The White House. Yeah. yeah. And he's and Nick Nurse was like, well, fuck them. We don't need them. That's We're a Canadians. Synecdoche, I think. Okay. Synecdoche is when is the White House said today. And metonymy is all hands on deck, or the other way around. I can never right. keep it straight. Right, um, Tanner. We so like- that's a okay. that's a lot of deep fo- uh, basketball stuff. Uh-huh. And I apologize. It's all I could find. The tooth in the pocket. 
Because Fred Van Fleet's tooth got knocked out and it was sitting on the court. And everyone's like, look, there's a tooth. What do you mean by you could find? Because this is a description of what actually did happen to Jackie, according to Ellen yes. Miles. Yes, and that's what I meant. Yeah. Very interesting. This is a novel that is about time. It is about our relationship to time and the fact that we don't understand it. And uh, we should all be afraid of Simon Clock. And another thing. Yes. Tanner. That is also frightening. As you know, and as the Warriddle babies know. Yes. In the mysteries, Ellen has basically gone insane and decided to create a whole new series of terrifying factions that are yeah. impinging on Stony Brook and hoping to destroy it from within. And what do we have so far? So far, that's going to be t- We've got skeletons. So in the, in the main series, we know those factions. That's yeah, said and there's done. there's no need to list them. When there's no need to list them. In the mysteries, the ones who are definitely confirmed are skeletons and puppets and possibly vampires. Vampires may be one of them, yeah. And um, I found a new one, and it's possibly the scariest faction of all. It's also kind of like I think the dinosaurs were in the main canon. Um, kind it's, of a manic, it's unpredictable. Not totally clear what their allegiance is. Right. Um, but let me read you this passage. Stacy is talking about um, going to the Arboretum to save it. That sounds like fun, but what if we pull up some hundred-year-old specimen by mistake? All those plant things look the same to me. Okay. Stacy looked perplexed. Plant things, asked Claude, cracking up. So she's become hysterical. Right. Oh, Stacy, you're such a city girl. Then she lost her grin. Is it? What is it? Do you have plant things in um, in New York? In New York? I don't think so. Maybe that's what just things? what Claude thinks. It's also New York in the nineties. They probably got rid of them. Oh, like the porn shops on Times Square. Yeah. So plant things. That's very worrying. The plant things. The plant. And that's a new faction. Then that's a new faction, right? Huh. It's like Day of the Triffids. Okay, and the Triffids were plants. I think so. I was but gonna ma- say it's like Swamp Thing. It could be like Swamp Thing, but Swamp Thing is just a singular guy. Right. These are plant things. They're countless millions of them wandering through Stony Brook. Hmm. I think that in the way that this book is about time, it is also about our relationship with the earth itself. And these plant things maybe aren't necessarily an ancient evil, but they are a manifestation of the planet itself. This is a very earthy book. Yeah, I'm interested in in seeing more of the plant faction and seeing whether or not we're dealing with champions slash avatars of the green right or of the gray yeah and then here's something that i don't know what to make of and i don't think it's related to factions but it is very interesting and notable and i do like to say the words okay and i did look it up and i looked it up in quotes and the only thing that comes up is this book Ooh, ooh! i forgot said claudia waving her hand i do have some new business She dug around under her pillow, one of her favorite junk food hiding places, and pulled out a cellophane bag. These are new, she said, holding the bag up. Cocoa Blinkens. Cocoa Blinkens. Has anyone tried them yet? Cocoa Blinkens has one result on Google, and it's this book. Yeah. That's 
confounding because <laughs> we've read a lot of these books. Yeah. And Anne and Ellen are no stranger to real world known brand names right. for junk food. Ring dings. There's no Twinkies. need for them to make up no. the name of a junk food. <laughs> so what was Ellen thinking? What was going through her Coco mind? Blinky. She was like, this time I'm going to make it. Maybe Ellen had invested in a <laughs> company called yeah. Coco Blinkins. Yeah. And she was like, and can I do some gorilla marketing <laughs> in this book? Yeah. And Anne was like, I don't see why not. And then the company like kind of fizzled before it actually launched. I like Blinkins. Blinkins is good. Yeah. Because it, the Coco Blinkins implies that there are other kinds of Blinkins, too. Right. There's vanilla Blinkins. Yeah. There's fruity Blinkins. Yeah. Yeah. Fruity Blinkins is good. Right. And maybe that's just the name of a, like a friend of Ellen. She knows somebody called Fruity Blinkins. Fruity Blinkins. <laughs> <laughs> and this what is, is your Blinken's name? <laughs> what is your candy bar name? <laughs> Mine is Tangy Blinken's. Mine is Tangy Blinken's. <laughs> Mine is Juicy Blinken's. Juicy Blinken's. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, I just really like that for some reason. I like yeah. Coco Blinkins. I like that Ellen must have written that down at some point and been like, you know what? I'm not, I'm sick of saying ring dings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick of Hostess getting all the fucking proceeds from this goddamn book series. I'm going to say Coco Blinkins, see if I Coco can make Blinkins. a go of it. And maybe if enough people Google, because this is like, what, 98 by this point? Yeah. Maybe if enough people Google Coco Blinkins, yeah. I can use that as like a... Proof of concept for the Ellen Miles candy bar Cocoa Blinkins. Finally escape from this fucking cage that Anne and the Scholastic Lawyers have locked me in to write a mystery a week. Could you imagine having to write one of these every fucking week? Um, I would like to bring up another segment. And there's now uh, blooper music playing. Okay. And it's comical and there's slide whistles. And, okay. And, and, uh, there's someone saying something about fashion. She come out here with this crane on like she had a dark cave. And then the segment is actually called Jack and Tanner Fashion, Fashion Idiots. Idiots. Why you ain't got no shoes on? Girl, no. <laughs> All them sweaters. Yeah. And this is where we, um, actually, it's in this name because we're fashion experts and we talk about the fashion in this book. And we weigh in with our expertise. Okay, this week was tough for our expertise, though. Yeah. Because a number of things were said by Christy about Stacy's wardrobe this week, and I didn't understand most of it. A lot of, a lot of people are wearing a lot of things. Because what Ellen does for her chapter two is that she describes everybody in terms of what they're wearing. It's beautiful, actually, because what yeah. she's done is she's isolated one of Christy's insecurities. Right. Which is her fashion choices. Yeah. And then, therefore, Christy defines the world around her by her insecurities. Right. So everyone is described by their fashion choice. Yeah. So you picked out Stacy's wearing... Stacy's outfit okay. is pretty wild. Let's talk about what Stacy's wearing. I'm going to keep track on one hand of the number of things described that okay. Stacy is wearing. And I want to gauge very briefly, yes or no, whether or not you know what this is. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Stacy was wearing that day... Platform shoes with really high cork soles. I don't know what that is 
and I don't know what either of the two parts of it are. One. That's one. Okay. Black lacy legging things. No, that's not. That sounds scary to me. A blue dress that looked kind of like pajamas that I used to have when I was seven. Well, that's very specific. So I think no one could know that. Yeah. And then baby dolls. Yeah. I think they were called. That's four pieces of fashion. And how many of those do you immediately can you conjure an image in your head of what that means? I know what pajamas are. And I do too because I have a month-old son. And every night at 730, we put him into kind of like a onesie with feet. Baby dolls, it's called. And But what I don't understand... Oh, baby dolls is a separate thing from the pajamas? I think it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's a comma after when I was seven. Yeah. So it's actually three things. It's platform shoes, it's the legging things, and it's the baby doll. Right, which is the blue dress. Which is the blue baby dress. Baby dolls is... Here's what we know what baby dolls is. Baby dolls is a blue dress that looked kind of like these pajamas I used to have when I was seven. I'd like right. to ask you this question, Tanner, and tell me if I'm wrong. Yes. I don't know much about dresses. I'll be the first to admit that. But I'm pretty sure that one of the things about dresses is that they don't do the dress for each leg. It's a it's one it's like a big big one big pant leg that you put both your legs. It's like to. one big pant leg. It's as though you were from the waist down. Yeah, was one, one leg. leg. Right, a monopod. And yeah. th- it's a dress, and this is actually a very accurate and very fashion forward way of describing this. A dress is just Pants for a monopod. Just pants for a monopod. Right? We'll, we're all agreed on that. Fucking Carl Lagerfeld is agreed on that. Well, rest in peace. That's a guy, right? Yeah. Okay. He's but, died recently. Okay. So should I do someone else? Rest in peace. Okay. No, just just okay. offer him a fitting. Okay. But sample. he would agree on that. And then say rest in peace. Okay, rest in peace. Yes. But, Tanner, let me ask you this. What's pajamas? Pajamas is for two legs, isn't it? Well, I guess it kind of depends. Are you going Grandpa Joe pajamas from Willy Wonka? <laughs> because that's just okay. pants. But that's like a ru- kind of a rub, and it's got like a, a hat, little funny hat with a little, little hat. knobby on yeah, the end. Yeah. So you think that's what this baby doll is? Maybe. That's what Stacy's wearing. Okay. Maybe. So she's got like a Scrooge, basically Scrooge. Scrooge, yep. So that's what she's wearing, and she calls it baby dolls. But she's also got platform shoes. Mm, made out of cork. Made out of cork. So you can like maybe put bulletins, like you post little like oh, that's notes nice. on it. Okay, right? that's kind of nice. Yeah, I like that. Buy bread. And then she's got black lacy legging things. Things. Legging things. Legging things. And that's confusing because I thought her legs were covered by the monopod pants. Yeah. Maybe the things are legging in some way? Like they're, they're starting to sprout legs? Oh, okay. They're legging what, things. What sprouts legs? I guess tadpoles? Caterpillars? Tadpoles. Okay. Caterpillars don't, right? Because they have legs. Tadpoles is exactly what sprouts legs. But and, tadpoles, they, and they're black. Yes. And okay. they are black. So, so she's wearing sort of a sack- Meant for a monopod. But she's, and... she's wearing a Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck pajamas. I mean, Scrooge, is... no, actual Scrooge. <laughs> she's wearing Scrooge McDuck pajamas. Dickens Scrooge. Scrooge McDickens. A.K.A. monopod <laughs> pants. Yeah. And on her legs, she has tadpoles. And below that, she has, like, she's standing on, like, bulletin boards. Right. Okay. And that does make sense. 
And then Dawn has got leggings as well. She's got uh, cozy looking white thermal leggings. And the only thing I could think of is that scene where I can't remember what her bounty hunter name is, but she goes, it's a thermal detonator. The, the mighty Jabba asks why he must pay 50,000. Hey, you're dope. Because he's holding a thermal detonator. <laughs> oh, la, oh, gosh. But she doesn't say it. She says some, some shit. And then C-3PO is like, I'm afraid he has a thermal detonator, sir. Yeah, she says like, Boosh is her name. Boosh, yeah. And did she say Jabba Wanga? No, no, that's... No. No, Jabba Wanga, I think is your boy, Bib Fortuna. Hey, Jabba Wanga. Nay, Jabba no bother. Ki ate, ki ate, ki ato. Ki, ki ato. Yeah. That's right. And what that means is I've got a thermal detonator, and that's what Dawn is wearing. Ki ate, ki ato. What I th- would like to do very quickly, uh, we're running over time, so I will just ask you very quickly uh, in the form of a poem whether you had a burn of the week, and the way that I will do that is like this. Oh, Todd, thou art sick, a very good burn that stings you so right, a knife that doth turn, it gets in your head, but oh, so soon it will cause me to have to call the burn unit. It's our burn of the week. Did you, Tanner, have a burn of the week this week? Yes. Tell me. I'm reading Star Wars dialogue now. That's not for the best. Okay. That's kind of your fault for leading me to water. You expect this horse not to drink? Yeah, no, you're right. Ugh, said Marianne. Why is Koki lurking around? Koki Mason is one of the BSC's favorite people. Not. She's never someone I would call a friend, even though I've known her for years. <clears throat> that's a Borat joke. It's a Borat joke. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Koki Mason is one of the BSC's favorite people. Not. Not. That's yeah. good. That really did get me. Yeah. It's kind of a meta burn because it's not diegetic. It's for us. Yeah, it's for us. Right. Um, my burn is on the, well, I will read you my burn and it goes like this. Oh, so they find a diary. I don't know what the fuck is the deal with this proliferation of like mysterious diaries in Stony Brook. Yeah. They're everywhere. But like the the number of mysterious diaries per capita in Stony Brook has got to beat any other small town in America. Maybe, and this is a theory I'm formulating literally right now on the spot, they're living in a cabin in the woods-like simulation. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And so each diary that they choose... Puts them into a a different different mystery or horror. To appease some elder god. Yeah, to appease an elder god. So check out this passage, Tanner, to put a pin in your theory, which is obviously exactly right. And something we should definitely start tracking. Yeah, something we should definitely start tracking. Watson's Library is a dark, peaceful, comfortable place with cushy leather chairs, thick rugs, china lamps, and a big wooden desk. And of course, shelves and shelves full of books. The room has a nice smell to it, that special library smell made up of musty books, lemon furniture polish, and something else. Ink, maybe? Or glue? Anyway, that smell always makes me want to grab a book and a blanket and curl up to read for hours and hours. There is some mysterious smell in the library, different smells that are captivating. Anybody who walks into it and forcing them to grab a book 
Yeah. Can I can I back that up? Please. Claudia, who was sitting cross-legged on her bed, looked up from the scarf she was knitting. She was using three colors of yarn. Purple, green, and a peculiar shade of orange. Huh. An enticing, enrapturing, mm-hmm. indescribable shade of orange. Okay. Okay. That just compels. There's something about this world. Yeah. The colors and the smells are heightened. Their senses are being kind of pushed and pulled in this way. It's pulling them toward one or other of these horrors. diaries or these horrors that will create a new fortune for them. And maybe that's the factions or is that too obvious? No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay. And this week we had the plant faction, right? T- took over. Because it's this yeah. earthy, this arboretum springs up out of nowhere. Can I introduce a quick new segment? Yeah. Very please. quick, and I know we're over time. Can I mm-hmm. introduce a quick new segment? Mm-hmm. And it's called, here's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Reminders from the Green Ring household Alexa that Jamie said for herself that Tanner gets on his phone. Okay, great. I love it. And okay. here's this week's reminder. Okay. Take the sweet potatoes out. Okay. Great. And and have you? No context. No idea what that means. <laughs> Clearly a reminder Jamie set for herself in the confines of our home, which I am not in. What if she thinks of your dog Hercules and your boy Miles as her as sweet, potatoes. sweet potatoes? We do call the boy a potato now because okay. he's got kind of a, like a potato-like physique. So this is probably important because otherwise they're just going to overcook, right? If you don't take them out. Oh, and she's ha- she has them in the oven or... I think in, in the I would context... say zero oven time is probably good for everyone. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, you should tell Jamie. I do need to get home and walk the dog, though, so maybe we should. Um, Tanner, let's get the fuck out of here. Yes, please. Wah riddle, wah babies. This has been an evil episode. Sorry about that. Sorry we didn't warn you, um, but it's too late now, and you've listened to an evil episode. You should have known when you clicked on the episode title called... Yeah. Wa BSEMC number 19 or whatever it is. Yeah, that was your warning. Wa Christie and the Wa Missing Fortune. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was your warning, and uh, we warned you. And next week we'll be back with a good episode. Um, please do subscribe to our Patreon over at patreon.com slash BSCC podcast. It is but $5 a month. And for that small amount of money, you get a whole new show where we sing the intros, and it's good, and it's getting better every day. This week we read a novel that was called Christy and the Missing Fortune, BSC Mystery Number 19. Next week we're going to be reading a little book called Wa Christy and the Wa Missing Fortune. This week we read Wa Christy and the Wa Missing Fortune. Next week, non-evil episode, we're going to be reading Babysitter's Club Mystery Number 20, Marianne and the Zoo Mystery. Zoom history? No, zoo what mystery. What does that mean? I think a zoo is going to spring up out of nowhere. It's like well, Sim fucking A fucking city. arboretum sprung out of yeah. up out of nowhere this week. So like <laughs> maybe they can put it where the art gallery used to be. Right. Jesus Christ, Ellen. Um Marianne and the Zoom Mystery. I'm looking forward to that. Um Zoom Mystery? I'm Are you say- saying I'm saying Zoom Mystery. Because we use Zoom to record this. Both Z- we use an an app on our computers called Zoom and we use recorders called Zoom. No. Zoom Mystery. Z- uh, Microsoft Zoom. Microsoft Zoom. Obviously. Yeah. Oh, it was that time. Yeah. yeah. And and that's a topical joke. That's topical now to make because everybody has iPods now. Yeah. <laughs> and Zune <laughs> didn't win. 
<laughs> and that's why it's topical. Hey, h- how about that Vista update? <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. Oh, what's next? Let's go the, home. The Zune? Bye. Okay. Um, my name is Jack Shepard. Bye. Your name is Tanner Greenring. Claudia's wearing a bra now. And the way she talks, you would think that boys had just been invented. I just realized that this is your edit, so you're going to cut all the Rose Tico stuff. No, I'll leave it in the edit, <laughs> but I'm not putting it in the review. <laughs> no, no, I know. <laughs> that was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>